Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, we're going to start, and we're kicking off a new series this morning called God With Us, and we'll carry this through the, uh, the end of the year. It's like almost over. It is so fast, it is just, it's just disappearing. It really is. Um, it, was, it was years ago, I was on a missions trip in Mexico. Uh, my parents were, were missionaries when, uh, up until I was three, actually, in Mexico. And when I got older, I went back. Uh, to some of the same villages that my parents had been at. And it was my older brother and I, and we're running around going to some of these different villages preaching. And one of them we went to was a, a, a village village. It was like these little thatch, thatch huts. There, there was no, no roads. There were no cars, little dirt paths between the houses, chickens and pigs like everywhere running in and out of the houses. There was, uh, for water, there was a, um, a well like a, a natural spring, more, more, like, more like it. And it was about a 15-minute walk from, from this little mountain village. And they had a church, which was kind of thatch and really n- not an actual building, all dirt, everything. Uh, really cool. We go, and we spent the night in the church. I slept on one of the benches, which was kind of like a campfire bench with a couple of beams in the ground and a little board on top. And you just kind of lay on it like this. And you're like, yep, I'm not going to move. <laughs> and that's, that's where we slept. And so the next morning, we were having our first uh, service. And I was speaking through an interpreter. Uh, yeah, I was born, or I lived in Mexico for several years, but I do not speak, uh, I don't speak Spanish. So I don't know, something broke. But anyways, so I had to use an interpreter. And the interpreter comes to me and he says, okay, well, what are you, you going to be speaking on this morning? And uh, people kind of coming in. I said, uh, I said, I'm going to talk on generosity. And the guy looks at me, and he goes, what? And he just kind of looks at me like, you stupid American. Like, what are you doing? We had had, uh, the night before, they served uh, for dinner. We had uh, pig skin soup, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's pig skin and water. And apparently, anything you put in water, it makes it soup. Um, it was nasty. <laughs> Uh, there was no electricity. If there was electricity in any of the houses, they had a car battery, a solar panel, and a light bulb. And that was like, yeah, you can see at night. Like it, was, it, was, it was very, very nice. And he looked at me in that like, what are you doing? And when I said it, I suddenly thought of all those things. But I wasn't like, oh, no, I'm on the wrong thing. I was excited to teach on it. I really was excited. And maybe some of you, as I was telling that story, and I said to generosity, you were like, no, you were a stupid American. Like, what are you, what are you doing? But here's the thing. Generosity isn't something that we suddenly achieve or wake up one day and we have enough that we can be generous. Generosity is something that we get to do. And as we talk about, as we're in this series, God with us, I think one of the greatest gifts that God gave us when he was here, when he came, was this. The gift of giving. That it really is something that we get to be excited about. The gift of giving. And Jesus, in John 3, 16, it says this. that For God so loved that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved that he gave. And maybe you've heard it before. 
You probably, probably have. You've heard the saying, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And God gave us the gift of giving. He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And now on Christmas time, it's, it's fun. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I like giving gifts, but I'm a little bit weird when it comes to this. Like, you can ask for anything you want, but if it's not fun to give, I'm not going to get it for you. Like, I'm like, I don't care if you want that. That's stupid. Like, I'm not getting you that. Like, that is lame. I don't even know what that is. Like, like I want to have fun in the giving. Anybody else, like, you're like, I don't give lame gifts to people even if they want it. Anybody else? Bryce in the back. Yes, there's a few of us. The few, the proud. Okay. Um, it is, though. I wanna, if I'm going to give something, I want to have fun giving it. I enjoy giving. I do. And really, Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And it isn't something that we can just enjoy around Christmas time. But I think, and I know that this happened to me, and maybe, maybe it happened to you, but Christmas as a kid was very exciting, very exciting. Like one thing is because I always knew I was getting socks. And still to this day from my parents, you can ask for anything you want, you're getting socks. Like it's just, you are getting socks. I'm like, I don't need socks. I still get socks from my, but anyways, anyways, yeah, yeah, lots of, lots of socks. But around this time, we look and we say, okay, it, 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 it can be so much fun to give, so much fun. We're looking and we're asking people, okay, I get to give this to this person and we, and we, and we get to do this here. And it can be so exciting. And, and growing up, that's what it was. It's, oh, growing up though, it's a I get. And it was, you don't know what's gonna be underneath the Christmas tree. You never know. It was really exciting. It's about you. And then I got a little bit older. And it's like, okay, it's Christmas. It's kind of fun. No school. Woohoo! Like, yes, like that becomes a little bit more of the exciting part around Christmas and, and getting to hang out with some friends. And that was a little more fun. And then, you know, you do Christmas and you open presents. You're like, okay, great. I got another pair of socks. Like, awesome. Throw them over there. Um, my parents are, are re-gifters. I don't know if yours are. But, like, they are, they are re-gifters, like, majorly. I'd get some fudge stuff, and I'd open it up there, open it up, and a little Christmas fudge, and my dad's already, like, taken a piece of it, and it's missing, and, and I'm like, thanks, Dad. And um, it, it was great, and, and Christmas, as I got a little bit older, lost just a little bit of the, I don't know, magic or excitement that it had when I was a little kid. And, you know, you're in high school and older, and I go off to college and come back, and then it's like, yeah, I get to actually see my friends, reconnect with some of my family while I'm back and stuff, and, and then, and presents were just like, nah. one, because I know I'm getting socks, and then there's like, well, you know, I, I, I it's really, I, I don't know, it wasn't that exciting. But what really flipped for me, Christmas, was... I think it was my second year of college. I came back, and my brother, he was a, living in Mexico at the time as a missionary, really needed um, a semi-professional copy machine to, like, print off some of the stuff in the handouts and things that they were doing down in Mexico. And I got real excited because I was like, I bet you I can buy it. And it was a significant amount for me like college student, 
Like you, you, you're like, that milk is still good, I'm sure. It's not, it doesn't even have chunks in it yet. It might smell a little funny, but I'm going for it. Like, like that, was, that was me in college for sure, for sure. There were days where I'm praying and I'm like, the car needs to not run out of gas because I can't afford to, pay, to fill it up today. Like it, it needs to not happen. I, um, for sure, there were some times like that. But it, it had been getting better. And, and, uh, but I got so excited. I'm like, I'm going to get this coffee machine for him. I'm like, I can swing it. I got really, really excited. And from then on, Christmas changed because it wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about what I was getting. It's about what I was getting to give. And it was, it has been so much more fun. And then, and then, and then we have kids. I'm married and I have kids now. We have five of them. Oh my goodness. They love Christmas. They love Christmas. In February, they're like, when's Christmas? And I'm like, December, like, when's December? Oh, my goodness. I've got to explain all this. They're homeschooled, so, you know. No, that's the little ones that do that. They actually do really, really well. Becca teaches them, and they're smarter than me. There's, they, they know not to ask me some of their questions. But anyways, but it, it changed everything for me because it wasn't about, can I make it great for me, but can I make it great for somebody else? Like, Christmas, it wasn't about me. And Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And it doesn't need to be a Christmas thing that we do, but we can so enjoy, and we receive so much joy in giving. We really do. And more and more, books and science and different things are coming out, and this is what they're saying, that it's in our brains, we get the same joy from giving as we do, we get more from giving than we do receiving. And some of the same pleasure sensors go off when we give as when we do married people things. They're like, it's, it's, it's scientifically like the same. That when we give, and God's like, and whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm like, well, the Bible said a long time ago, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But there's more fun in that. It's more fun to give. And Reader's Digest actually said this a while ago. I came across this. It says, we've all heard that money doesn't buy happiness. And that's certainly true. But there's one way that you can get it, give money away. It said, evidence is clear that gifts to charitable organizations and other worthy causes bring substantial life satisfaction to the givers. He says, you want $50 in authentic happiness today? Give it away. He's like, you want it? You can do it. Give it away away. We are wired to enjoy giving. We're taught to enjoy receiving. But you and I, God made us, he wired us to enjoy giving. To just be like, I get to give this. This is going to be fun. We're taught it's a little different. It's like, I want this and I want this and give it to me. Um, Hunter, we've got a Christmas tree set up. It is fake. I had a moment of weakness and after 13 years, suddenly we have a fake Christmas tree in our house. Anyways, but, and there's bunches of presents, bunches of presents underneath. Um, and Beck and I didn't put a single one under there. They're all Hunter. So Hunter is our eight-year-old. And he went around the house wrapping up and digging up everything he could find, wrapping it up and writing different people's names on it. And I'm looking forward to Christmas because I need some of my stuff back. I think, it's, I think it got wrapped and put underneath there. But there's like 15 or 20 presents, and they're all from Hunter. 
He loves it. The other day, he's like, he says this to me, and he goes, Dad, he goes, it's so much fun getting presents. He says, I like giving, getting presents. He goes, but it's way more fun giving them away. And I'm like, oh, buddy. Like, I was just I was so proud of him. I was like, yeah, absolutely. He has that. And he recognizes it right now. And I'm like, I want that to stay. When Halloween came, uh, we ended up, you know, you get candy and you get a bunch of candy. And he's got this whole, like, shoebox full of candy. And he asked me, he's like, can I take my candy to church? I'm like, buddy, no, you cannot take your candy to church. It's going to be, like, be gone. And I'm like, you don't, you don't want to do that. And he goes, but I want to give, Dad, can I, take, can I please take my candy to church? I want to give some of it away. And I'm like, if you do, if, yeah, I said, that's what you need to do. If you take it, you can't be like, look what I have and then not give anybody any. Like, you, you're going to have to share it. And he's like, okay. So he, he came to church, and uh, after service, he comes up to me, he goes, Dad, 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 guess what? Guess how many pieces of candy I gave away? And I said, how many? He goes, 50. I'm like, how many did you have? And he's like, I gave away all but one. And I go, you kept one? He goes, no, I gave it away, but two kids were fighting over it, so I told him neither of them could have it. <laughs> and he kept it. I was like, yes. But I love that, but he is finding joy in giving. But that's not something that just for kids. That's for you, and that's for, for me. It really, really is. But there's, there's not a level that we suddenly wake up at, and it's like, okay, now it's time for me to be generous. That village that I was at, it was time for them to be generous. You right now, you can be generous right now. 2 Corinthians 8.1 says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He says, look what's been going on. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, to us, poverty and generosity, like, they don't really go together in our thinking, do they? You're like, wait a second. Poverty, generosity, like, that's, that's the opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, they don't work. They oppose. They can't be in the same place. And Paul's like, that's not what happened. These guys, in their trials and in their poverty, he's like, it wasn't just that they were poor. It wasn't just that they were, he says, no, no, no. In the trials of everything that's going on and in their poverty, it welled up into rich generosity. And then he goes on, he says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability and entirely on their own. He says, entirely on their own. I love watching people discover how much fun it is to give. And I'm not just talking about money right now. I'm talking about our, our, our resources, our ability, our time, our prayers. It's so much fun to watch. Uh, years ago, I was a camp counselor at Muscular Dystrophy Camp. It was actually at Amon Park, um, which if I'm pointing the right direction, I think was just right up that way. Um, re really, really fun. And muscular dystrophy uh, messed, messes these kids up. And so they come for one week, and some of them are really little. Uh, they'll be four- and five-year-olds, and they'll be like 20, 21-year-olds, and they usually don't live a whole lot older than that. 
um, but their muscles just really stop working. So some of the kids have pretty good motion, uh, especially the younger ones. They can still run around, but the older they get, the more they're uh, stuck in wheelchairs or, or wheelchair bound. And we're, we're picking them up with a, a big sling and moving them around because they can't, they can't do anything for themselves. And I was at orientation, and I'm sitting down, and they're talking about uh, the week and, and, and what's coming up and letting us know how we're going to do all this, this different stuff. And then they said, no, we just want to let some of you who have been here before share real quick. And this woman gets up, and, and a ton of different people, I bet 15 different people stood up and said something similar to what this woman said, but this is what they were saying. This woman said, she said, I get one week of vacation a year. She goes, and I take it here. She says, I love serving these kids. And when I say serving these kids, that's what they're doing. Like, you are with one, one camper the entire time, and you pretty much don't leave them. And sometimes you have to chase them down because they've got these, these wheelchairs that can move. And they're just flying. And then you're like, you're running after them and you're taking care of them and you're cleaning up after them. And, and it's a ton to clean up because they don't often get a chance to be kids. So one cabin goes and, and trashes another cabin. And so you get a bunch of wheelchairs going into a cabin and, and then all of, their, all of their helpers are helping them and putting toilet paper in their hand and holding one in and they're running around beds and just wrapping them up and then throwing glitter and and, and having water fights. And I remember one kid, we put a cup of water in his hand and he was going to go get one of the campers. And so he puts it in his hand and he... Up to this guy. And he goes off and you end up all wet and he ran over somebody's foot and those wheelchairs are heavy. And then you get a 150, 200 pound man inside of them and they really hurt. Um, and so it was... I say that to say what it was and what it entailed, and you have to help them use, they can't go to the restrooms by themselves, and sometimes they can't tell when they're going to the restroom, and, and this is what these, these counselors are doing for, for a week, but at the same time, they're standing up and they're like, we are so excited to do this. We get to give for an entire week to somebody who so often doesn't get any of the opportunities. That's a really cool campground where they've got it set up to let some of them be able to, to rock climb and do some things that it would take a lot of money to be able to do on your own for some of these, the kids with these disabilities and without the, the movement. And they're just going over and over talking about how much fun it is to give, just how much fun it is to give. And I was sitting there thinking, we know this as Christians, like we know how much fun it is to give. Like, I don't think that they realize, but they're just saying exactly what the Bible says, which, it is, which is, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it really doesn't need to be something that we just do around Christmas. But when we talk about it, I think it can be, sometimes it can seem overwhelming, or we can ask, well, where do I start? Like, like where, does this, where do I even get to start with this? Because there's this person and there's this, and, and the Bible kind of helps us with that. It really does. And this is what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3. It says, take care of any widow who has no one else to take care of her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repair their parents by taking care of them. 
This is something that pleases God. Our first place that we're supposed to look when it comes to being generous, and again, please do not think I'm just talking about money. I'm not talking about money. I am talking about money, but it's money. It's, it's your resources, whatever they may be. It might be your car. It might be your time, your prayer, all of it, all of it. And this is what he says. Their first responsibility is to show godliness at home. Our first responsibility is to our family. It starts with our immediate family and then moves out. There is structure that God has designed for generosity. 1 Timothy 5.8 says it this way, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He is denied the faith and is worse than the un- and an unbeliever. Now, I love this. And when I read this, here's one of the things I think is we know what's going on in our family. We know when somebody's asking for help, for asking for finances, we typically know. We're like, okay, yeah, this person just always asks. I know exactly what they do with it or what they don't do with it. Like, I, I know what's going on here. I most definitely do. And we, we have some understanding of how we can actually be a blessing to that person. Okay, well, I really what they need is they need some time, and I could help them with this. Or finances, you know, paying a bill would be good, but giving them money, it, it's not going to go where it needs to go. They've, they don't understand. Uh, we, we have a bit of an understanding when it comes to family. I love that, that it's not something that's just we, just, we just throw out there, but we're like, okay, I know this. We had a family member one time that was um, asking for money, and I was like, no. I'm like, no, definitely not. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And I go, okay, I don't get to go to Starbucks, whatever it's called, that place we get the burnt coffee. I said, I don't get to go there. I said, we're saving, we're working. I said, and I happen to know you guys are going there like every day. And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, you don't need money if you're going to Starburnt every day. Like, you're, you're, you're not. I'm like, I'm not going to. And I was able to talk to him. And then, and then he was like, okay, well, I see this. And, 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 and things were cut. But we, we, had, we had knowledge of what they were up to. And I'm like, okay, you know, giving you money is, is really not going to solve a problem. Because um, if you're not going to change behavior, you're going to have this exact same problem the next time this bill comes due. And that's not going to solve anything. This, you know, this is a 30-day pause on your problem. How are you going to actually solve the problem? We have understanding of, of, of family. And we know, we're like, okay, you know, this person, it is. They just, they're going through this hard time, and we get to jump in, and we get, to, we get to be a part of this. We can help. And maybe it's helping by watching kids or, or helping them because, you know, this is just going to be a huge help. Or, but we get to be a part of it. But our number one place, the first place that we start is our family. And I love that. Like even, when, even when the Bible talks about leaders inside the church, this is what it says. It says, if they cannot lead in their own homes, they cannot lead in the house of God, in the family of God. He's like, they can't. That is supposed to be, that is supposed to be where we and how we lead where we put our best energy, and then we export if it works. 
If it doesn't work, God's like, if they can't lead their own family, he's like, they got no business trying to be leaders in the house of God. He's like, none. Our best is supposed to be for our family. Our best is not supposed to be at our jobs. And then we come home and we're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just worn out and now I'm just gonna like, Bleh. I'm gonna treat people nasty. Have you ever had that where you're, maybe, maybe you have, having a little argument or discussion with your spouse and you're like, you're talking back and forth and, and you're kind of going, and all of a sudden the phone rings and they pick up the phone and they go from, you don't ever, do hi, yeah, uh-huh, hello. Oh yeah, no, 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 we're doing great. What, what, what can I do? You ever watch somebody do that? Just make the switch? Maybe you've seen it. I, I know I have seen it happen where that switch just gets flipped. Here's the deal. Our best is supposed to be our home. That we don't come home and give our family or our spouses our leftovers, our leftover energy, our leftover smiles, our leftover anything. But we really are supposed to give them our best. That's where we export from. And it works so well at home that then we go do it other places. And then the thing that happens is our homes being, end up being this great place that we want to be. Because here's the deal. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where it's watered. And when you're taking care of your home and when you're taking care of your family, all of a sudden, it does. It gets better. It gets much, much better. And that's the place where our generosity is supposed to start, is it starts at home. And then Galatians 6.10 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. All right, so turn, turn to somebody next to you and say, that's you. Okay, like about 20% of, of you just did that. So we're going to try it again. All right, turn to the person next to you. If there's nobody like right next to you, like move maybe, or like turn around and say it a little bit louder, but say, turn to somebody and say, that's you. All right, there we go. That is exactly what it's talking about. Okay, it says this. We're supposed to do good as we have opportunity to do good for everyone, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So this family and the church, the universal, the church. But especially, especially to other believers. 1 John 3.16 says it this way. This is how we know what love is, that Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. When it says brothers, it's literally talking about each other. As Christians, that's what it means, Christian brothers. And he says this, it goes on. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. And it really does. It starts at home, and then we export. And from home, we go to our, our Christian body, family. That's brothers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's what the picture that the Bible paints of this is a strong, healthy family has the ability to help others in the body of Christ. And a strong, healthy body of Christ has the ability to help others outside of the body. And we can do so much more together than we can do apart. 
We are so much stronger together than we are apart. And the picture that God paints of how this is supposed to work is that we, we have strong families, and these strong families, these strong family units, we end up with a strong body of Christ where people are looking out for each other and where needs are being met when they need to be met. And we have relationship with each other. And we say, okay, and now a strong church can be the light that God wants it to be in the community. And it really can make a difference because we're strong, because we're healthy. If, I'm, if, if my finances are a mess, I can't help somebody else. If I'm making minimum payments on five credit cards and just trying to bounce checks here and there and payday loans, trying to cover things, I can't help anybody else in their finances. That's not me, by the way. It's, it's not. It's not at all. But I can't help somebody else if I'm not strong, if I'm not healthy. Uh, one of the things I love doing, and it uh, looks like we're going to do another one maybe this coming year, is adventure racing. And what it is, is they give you a map, give you some coordinates, and then you have to figure out how to get to these different areas on the map. And you'll mountain bike, you'll run. We used to do um, wilderness ones, so it's like mountain biking, running, canoeing, maybe kayaking, that type of a thing. And when we do the, the bigger races, like the 36 to 48-hour races, one of the things that they do is they say, you have to have a team of four. And they said, this is why. Because if somebody gets hurt, one person can stay with the one who's hurt, and then two people can go for help, and nobody's left alone. They're like, there's enough inherent risk in what you're trying to do that we want teams of four. Because if somebody's hurt, they need somebody strong to stay with them. And you want two people being able to go out. And I look at that, and I think a little bit about the church. That if we're hurt, we need somebody strong to be able to come along us and say, this is what I need. My marriage is hurting. And I love that somebody put in a prayer request for their marriage. But there needs to be more than just prayer. Is you need to have somebody come alongside and help you in that. If you're not getting help, please, please, please reach out, uh, talk to me. Please, please, please. Uh, if you're looking for some professional counseling, winning at home is a great place. But don't just, but do what you can. You need somebody strong who can come alongside you. And that's what we are to be for each other. We're to be the body of Christ. And as a result, we're strong enough to help others. If your finances are good, I mean, just imagine you don't have a car payment, your house is paid off, and you still have the income that you have right now. Every credit card is gone and done. Do you have some finances that you could help some people with? I would imagine yes. I would imagine yes. It's the exact same. If our finances are at home are good, then we have the ability and we have the strength to help others. If our time management is good, we have it to help others and to make a difference. And here's what I believe. I believe the church will never be what God has called it to be until we embrace this and say, okay, I'm going to have a strong family, and then we're going to pour in the next place that I go as I go to the body of Christ. And when we do that, we are going to see the body of Christ rising up more and more 
and having a louder voice and presence in communities around the nation and the world because they are healthy and able to make a difference. Instead of a bunch of people who are, are broken and don't know how to give and are like, I don't know what to do here, and then, and then we're just kind of stumbling around like, yeah, I'm, I'm messed up, you messed up, yeah, we're all messed up. But getting it right and saying, okay, God, I want to serve you with what I have. And getting to enjoy giving. Because here's, here's my favorite thing about giving is this, is I don't know what difference it'll make. I don't know. Here, here's, here's what I mean by that. If, if I support a missionary, prayer, finances, for me, I like to give money more than time. I, I, I do. I, time is, is, is good. I've got lots of kids. I have more money than time. <laughs> When I say that, here's what I mean. Like, I have my time, and it's like, I got kids, I got work, what do I do with it? It's like, I'm able, I feel like at this point in our life, it's like, okay, we can give financially, and I don't know what difference it's going to make. When I support a missionary, I think, what, who is going to be in heaven as a result of this? What impact is this going to have? Who's going to hear about God, and who are they going to tell? And are they going to tell somebody? And if they tell two people, like anybody ever been invited to like a pyramid scheme, like, hey, I got a business for you, and all you got to do is get two people under you and those two people, anybody else, nobody? Okay, yeah. I feel like it's the reverse of that when I get to give. I'm like, I wonder, who's going to tell who? If I just give this one and just watch what happens, this $1, this 100 this whatever it is, like what is going to happen as a result of this? And I heard somebody mention a name to me the other day, and I had no idea, no idea who it was. Maybe you will. Have any of you ever heard of Humphrey Mammoth? Somebody asked me, said, he said, hey, you ever heard of Humphrey Mammoth? And I'm like, nope, no idea. And I'm racking my brain. I'm like, if I had heard the name Humphrey Mammoth, I think I would have remembered it. I really think I would have. But I didn't. I did not remember it all. But Humphrey Mammoth in 1536 was a well-to-do merchant. And he got together with some other people who were kind of well-to-do. And they're like, we need to do some great things. We need to do some important things. Like, what can we do with our well-to-do-ness? And they happened to meet a guy named William Tyndale. Humphrey Mammoth did. So he brought William Tyndale to meet all of his buddies. And he's like, hey, William's got a dream. He wants to translate the Bible into the everyday common language. And these guys, Mammoth and his buddies said, done. We'll pay for it. We'll pay for the whole thing. So the first Bible that was ever translated, Mammoth translated. He paid for it. He and his buddies paid. They supported not only the printing and, and getting it all done, but they supported William Tyndale during this time financially. They took care of him the entire time as he was running around and hiding and ended up getting killed over the fact that he had changed the Bible for, into the common language. 
Mammoth? I just look at what he did, and I think, did he have even the slightest clue of what that money would do? The impact that would happen. Would I be here today if he hadn't done it? I think, wow, what a difference we can make when we give, when we are sensitive to God's Spirit, to His guiding. We don't know. And the amount isn't important. The amount isn't important at all. It's our willingness to do it. We don't know what our 25 cents might mean to someone. It might mean nothing numerically, but it might mean everything that God put it on your heart to give that to somebody. Because the amount really is not that important. I told you a little bit about, about uh, money being tight in college. Well, one time it got really, really, really tight. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do right here. And I went to the mailbox, and there was a check. I was a little short on rent that week, that month. And there was a check. I don't remember if it was 100 or 250, but there was a check. I was like, this is sweet. I was from somebody in Michigan. I knew that because that's what it said. I didn't recognize the name. And I was like, what in the world? Checks in the mailbox? This is sweet. I like getting the mail all of a sudden. I didn't, it didn't normally just build. Next month, I went out there. You know what was in there? I went out the next month about the same time. Nothing. I have never, ever gotten another check randomly in the mail. But you know what? God showed me through that person that if that's what it takes, he'll do it. He'll do it. He will do it. What it, what it said to me, and I don't even remember the amount, I think it was like 100 bucks, was that God has it covered. If I will do what he wants me to do, he will make sure that it happens. For 100 bucks, somebody was able to make that impact in my life. And I know it with certainty. He did it then. He can do it again if he needs to. He can do it again. And we don't know. So here's what I am going to ask each and every one of you to do, is to think, how can you be generous? Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. With your time, with your finances. And ask God for a number. I don't care if it's a penny. Maybe you need to add a whole bunch of zeros. Maybe for you, God tells you it's $10,000. Maybe he says it's two hundred and fifty. Maybe he says it's your house. I don't know. But whatever that number he gives you, don't do more and don't do less. Whatever that number is. And if it can fit in your, in your wallet, put it in your wallet. Say, God, you've given me the number. Now show me the person that this is for. And if he tells you 25 cents, then you put that quarter do it in a quarter, because otherwise it's just weird, okay? So just put that quarter in your pocket, carry it around with you, and say, okay, God, who do you have this for? Because who knows what that's going to mean to the person that you say that to. I'm going to close with one story. Church I was at in Bible school. Pastor's up there preaching. It was a, it was a, a, a fairly large church. There's about maybe 2,500 to 3,000 people out in the audience. We're all out there. The pastor's preaching, and he's talking, and he does this. He's preaching, and he says, he says, I need to stop a minute. I feel like the Lord's telling me something. Um, mustard. Does that mean anything to anybody? Nothing. He goes, okay. 
And he goes right back to preaching. <laughs> he goes right back. It's like, well, that was lightly awkward. The next week, he gets up, and, and before he begins to speak, he says, if you happen to be here last week in the service where I thought I had a word from the Lord, and I said, mustard. He said, nobody responded in the service. He said, but afterwards, somebody did come up, and I wanted to share this with you guys. And this is what he said. He says, afterwards, a woman walked from the back. He says, he says before she got to me, she's absolutely just bawling, bawling, bawling. And he says, I didn't know what it was. And she walks up and she says, I'm the person. I'm the person that you were supposed to say mustard for. She said, I've been just feeling that, like that God doesn't care, that he doesn't notice me, that if there even is a God, that he definitely doesn't care about me. He goes, but yesterday, I got some mustard in my eye and it has been bothering me. And she could hardly talk as she was saying it. She said, but when you said mustard, I knew that God was stopped your entire message to say one word to speak to me. And it was mustard that he cared enough to say that one, it wouldn't mean anything and it hurt. And so she just goes on and on about what it all meant to her. And the value that she felt because God told him to say mustard. So here's what I want to leave you with. Whatever that amount is, it might be big and it might be small. Do not underestimate the impact that it can have on somebody else. When you choose to give and what it can mean to somebody else, when we do things that seem weird to us, stopping in the middle of a message and saying, mustard. But we just say, God, I'm going to give you whatever I have. So that's what I'll ask you to do this week, to pray. And in fact, why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes right now? And just take a moment and pray and ask God for a number. Say, God, what is it that I can give this week? And let's just practice exercising that generosity muscle and then watching the joy that comes from giving. Because I do believe it can be so addictive. Just ask. Whatever it is, no matter how big or how small, I encourage you, you give what God lays on your heart to give. Put it in your pocket. Carry it around with you. And this week, I'll be praying for you. And here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, God, help them to see, to know where to sow that seed, that it would have impact on the lives of those around them. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.